0: I'm very pleased to be uh, introducing Jules Pipe, the Deputy Mayor in London, responsible for planning, regeneration and skills. Welcome to the Downtown Den Jules. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you. And we're going to talk about the economy, the pandemic, the impact of that. Let's start first. How do you think Londoners have uh, reacted and responded to the pandemic?
1: Well, it's it's... It's an enormous thing. It's the biggest health and social uh, economic emergency surely we've had since the the Second World War. And and I think what's what's so uh, overwhelming about it is that, uh, and so unique about it, is that it affects everybody. You know, there are many things that we could think of that that big cities could struggle with uh, that could hit them from time to time, but uh, probably there's, there's there's few things that uh, are so leveling and and uh, and affect people um, across across the board. No one escapes from this, touching the lives of of, of everybody um, uh, in London, and I think the response so far has been pretty inspiring. You know that that. That people have been willing to go uh, along with the the, the the strictures and the reductions in liberty, um, uh, and because you know they just have accepted that it is the best thing uh, to get us you know through this um, uh, in, in the best way possible and and, and the quickest way as, as as well. So so that's 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 obviously a positive in the kind of the general public response. Um, but also you know that most of all there's the public services and the way that public services have have, have risen to the challenge yeah. um, and that's the key frontline services obviously like health um, but there's also those sort of unsung heroes keeping things ticking over like keeping the the bins emptied and the the streets uh, the streets clean um and and that hasn't necessarily been just kind of just carrying on doing business as usual, because obviously even, even to take street sweeping, you know, and, and, and bin collection, they've had to kind of pivot a bit, because obviously, you know, the, the people aren't at work and they're at home generating more rubbish, recycling and whatever. So all those public services, again, have been touched. No one's escaped from, um, um, from having to kind of adapt uh, to, to, this, uh, to this new way of working. And then, of course, the volunteering that goes on um, as well—that people, are, whether it's volunteering for neighbours or raising money for, for specific causes, um, uh, the public transport workers um, as well—and that's a big issue. I think we'll probably be getting onto later in the conversation as, as well about how we um, adapt in, the, in this kind of in, in the new reality.
0: Mm-hmm. It does make you quite proud, doesn't it, of of London and Londoners' reaction to this. You talk about volunteering and really, you know, you see some stories about people in the parks, etc., wherever that is in the United Kingdom. But the reality is, if you go around London or if you've been around London over the last several weeks, it really has been locked down. I mean, there are streets that used to bustle that have been absolutely deserted. It's quite incredible, really
1: yeah yeah we 're seeing London in a whole whole new way, and actually that's that's something we could talk about as well about sort of the uh, you know the, the space and yeah. public space and the way we use public space and I think that's going to be a big issue for discussion um, uh, going forward for for everyone interested in, in the built environment um, and how we design our our commercial areas as well. Yeah. But I think probably it's. it's it, it, I shouldn't sort of pass pass up the opportunity as well to to comment about the kind of very serious nature of of, of the virus, how it how it really whereas it, whereas it is touching everybody, it clearly is touching some uh, parts of the community far worse than others. Obviously, the greatest impact on the elderly, those with underlying health conditions, and. And clearly, BME communities as well. Um, and and it really is absolutely right that there's going to be an investigation into that. Uh, and the mayor has obviously been calling for that um, to uh, to to look at uh, you know why whether it's really medical reasons it's hitting certain communities harder, but also the existing structural inequalities are undoubtedly having an impact on. Um, uh, on certain communities, you know, housing, um, in particular sorts of employment, health. These are, these are structural inequality issues and, and that seems sadly to be behind uh, an awful lot of where this, you know, that impact is greatest from the virus.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, just staying with that, really. I mean, London is exceptional within the UK L- London, uh, and in many ways in terms of the world in, the, in that it's in a league of cities in its own right. It's a truly international city, isn't it? Uh, and it's fair. I mean, I'm just comparing it to say New York. They had it particularly bad, didn't they? I would dealing deal with some business people over there throughout the lockdown. And why, why did we fare so much better than somewhere like New York? Is it about this the state and federal system over there, or what, what are the differences that we, we've done relatively well in London?
1: I think we've we got through it quicker. We, I think I think I think the compliance of people was a, a positive thing. Um, I think uh, the reaction of the health services um, was was strong. Um, I do think, well, you know, I mean, it would be wrong of me to kind of pre prejudging, you know, uh, the kind of inevitable inquiries and uh, um, uh, an analysis that's going to happen um, in, in months and, and, and years ahead. I think a big question for all countries, though, is always going to be about how soon um, uh, people uh, lock down um, and and also the clarity of, of message. Um, I think when you um, look at what's happening in parts of America um, uh, and uh, in Latin America, uh, where, you know, certain certain governments have had taken a different attitude um, uh, in terms of, of, of leadership or lack of leadership. Um, I think, um, you know, and you look at America's interesting, you know, the, the different state by state. Differences as as well. I think there'll be a that'll be, be a rich seam of uh, of information to kind of look at there um, about the, the 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 point at which they locked down, the nature of the lockdown, and the, and at the point at which they opened up again. Because um, you've obviously got a lot of commonalities across America, but that difference in how different governors took their states uh, in the direction they took their states in will be will be. Useful to understand how best to react to this to this in the in the, in the future,
0: and what lessons can be learned. Yeah, yes. and and to turn into City Hall, uh, it's fair to say, Sadiq Khan's been on the front foot in terms of coming out and uh, you know driving the agenda for the uh, for the capital. Uh, particularly, I mean, transport inevitably has been a, a big issue. Uh, we've gone through you know very various. various different concerns around that. Uh, broadly got it right, the response has been good and positive, do you think?
1: Uh, yes, yes, um, I, I think um, it, it's, it's a strange role, I think, um, uh, being mayor in this situation. Um, the, the emergency sort of responses, uh, sort of these gold, these military style responses that are put in place across um, the country, um, don't really sort of cater much for that mayoral position um, and and so um, it's it's uh, the, the actual sort of leadership of, of, of um, the practical responses often fall to you know quite defined um, sort of military type roles or, or, or almost um, and, and government appointees um, but the, it's absolutely right that the mayor is uh, is um, uh, seen as a focal point to rally people around, particularly sort of uh, you know the direction about recovery um, um, uh, 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 as well. You know he's got his his part to play in in the uh, in the in services that he controls, transport, police. But it's really that leadership about what next, um, and I think that's what we're going to be seeing a lot of in the uh, in the coming in the coming weeks. Mm. Um, and I think there's a there's a real big challenge not to just try and revert back to business as usual. We want to save we want we want to save the economy. We want to get the economy back up on its mm. feet. And uh, uh, and crucially, th- those bits of the economy that are, are hardest hit in London are are some of its most um, vibrant, both in terms of what they add to the capital, but also the money they make. I mean, the easy easy thing is uh, an easy example of that is the uh, uh, the, the, the culture uh, and cultural industries in, uh, in, in, in London. And sort of terrible stories on the news this morning about Globe Theatre, you know, really up against it, can't see how they get, get through this without public support because normally they, they don't receive any public support. The Globe Theatre is completely commercial um, operation. Uh, and it would be unthinkable th- th- for London to, to see that go dark in terms of culture but also it's a kind of it's a flagship kind of cultural uh, commercial success and I think a very good kind of um, you know example of the, com- the, co- the, co- the commercial cultural offer that, uh, that, that, that London has so you know the arts and culture make you know multi-billion pound revenues uh, yeah. for london as well as making it an interesting place to live which therefore has that kind of knock-on that other businesses want to locate um here in london so okay. so it's not it's not just a culture of cultural importance it's kind of economic importance to make sure that these kind of uh, organizations um are, are helped back up on their feet so there is that kind of restoration part but that bit that i said about not doing business as usual so that whole kind of car-based kind of approach, how we're using public space in the public realm. Um, that's going to be very interesting to see how we kind of re-establish that. And maybe social distancing and the requirement to do the, to, to do social distancing will uh, certainly in these summer months make us rethink about how we use the outside of restaurants and, and bars and things and, uh, and dedicate space to those. That would be good for the economy, but also good as good for establishing perhaps a new and better way, more sort of, dare I say, European way of, 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 um, of, of, of living out our leisure time.
0: That would be a positive outcome from this, wouldn't it? A, sh- a shift in... in, so. in... Absolutely. Though, though I do get a sense, and, and I, so I'm in favour of a lot of that personally, but I do get a sense that people, some people in and around London are unhappy about the increased congestion charge Uh, the concerned about the wider uh cycle lanes, I like that. I'm not a lycra clad cyclist, I'm just an average Joe cyclist to get around London. It's the best way to get around London. So, anything that makes that safer, I think, is to be welcomed. But there will be some opposition to that, won't there? There'll be some political, some politics played with it as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. The, the the key thing is uh, you know obviously to to make sure that the transport system doesn't collapse. Um, the uh, I mean there's been um, some rather kind of misplaced criticism about um, the mayor's fares freeze. I think it was absolutely crucial thing to do over the last four years. Um, w- without public subsidy, um, the you know the tube fares, uh, bus fares, been getting very expensive, um, and there's an awful lot of people, low paid workers who um, you know, need to get into central London to uh, to you know whether it's to clean the offices, to keep the tubes running, to, to you know uh, keep uh, hospitals running um, in the back with those background jobs, and they're and they're not highly paid, highly oh. paid. So it was crucial to do something um, about that. And 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 the money that that has cost TfL is less than TfL has lost in government grants. So if we're looking at where you know to make a real difference, it's not about making the fares. Usually expensive again. Actually, we should really look at the fact that you know London is uh, probably the only city in Europe that where where its 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 public transport system isn't subsidised um, properly by by central by central government. Um, no. So so it's got in this position not through fares freeze but because of this lack of subsidy and now the collapse obviously in income. Um, yes and so the mayor ha- had to strike a deal with the government and the government's uh, given a billion pounds and a half a billion pounds in a loan roughly um and there was an expectation from the government that in return the mayor would review those charges uh, and for for um for the congestion charge um and, and i don't think that they're intending that that review would be downwards unfortunately so for uh, for motorists um so, uh, so that's 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 brought about that 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 change. Um, but I think to look at it positively, I mean, I, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with you. It's an opportunity to focus on walking and cycling, and for businesses that need to um, uh, to need to use, you know, white vans, you know, the plumbers, they can't take all their kit on the tube. That extra in a day passed on to the customer whilst okay, that might put a pound or two on each customer's um, visit that day from, say, a, a plumber. It's the right thing to do in the sense of putting the charge where it belongs. It's a bit like, um, you know, polluter pays principle. Um, I don't think it's right, really, that um, people pay with their health in terms of, um, uh, you know, pollution and NOx emissions, um, the, the uh, uh, economic cost of congestion. Um, all that's passed on to other people usually whereas actually if we have a proper congestion charge that really minimizes people traveling in in cars and vans that they need to and where they have to it's properly added through the chain to the cost of, of their businesses and, and the people who are using their businesses that's got to be fairer it's better on the environment better on congestion uh, and frees up walking and cycling space so I think you know you can we can make a strong argument. That, that that it's the right thing to do.
0: And just before we move on from transport, just finally, in terms of alternative modes of transport, so I'm thinking small electric vehicles, e-scooters, small yeah. Yeah, e-cars. Opportunity to do more on that.
1: Abs- absolutely. I mean, we really wanted to push ahead anyway on. Um, uh, for for, the, for those essential um, uh, uses of you know cars and, and vans, last mile delivery, it's going to be a, a huge pressure. We're going to come under for increased last mile delivery um, in London. Um, uh, there's a lot of pressure to find more B8 industrial storage space to do last mile uh, delivery from, um, uh, and uh, and clearly uh, there's going to need to be capacity for charging for electric vehicles. We don't want to see. Uh, Lots of little diesel vans coming out of uh, out of those those B8 storage units So we uh, in the London plan There's a lot of push for increase in infrastructure for that someone wants to uh, bring forward a sort of a B8 storage last mile uh, facility, uh, we'd be looking for 100% passive provision and and a good chunk of, uh, uh, of that to actually be active, built-in provision for immediate use for uh, for electric uh, electric van charging. Um, and then on, um, uh, I, I think this could be also a really great opportunity to fast-track the introduction of uh, of e-scooters. Um, you know, I, I do think that. Um, Whilst I wouldn't want to see the sort of the the chaos of that I think some cities have 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 seen um, uh, with e-scooters, I do think we were perhaps perhaps taking too long as a country, um, and uh, uh, to to really look at uh, at trials. I mean, we did have them in the um, in one of the mayor's areas, the Olympic Park. Uh, because they're not um, they're not public public streets and so we were allowed to run LLDC was run, allowed to run a a pilot program there but it would be good if the department for transport could um, yeah fast track looking at regularizing their use even if it's on a trial basis
0: Yeah, that's good. And you talked about the economy. Let's move on to that. This pandemic is going to have a massive impact in terms of the London economy. You've mentioned culture, which obviously ties into tourism as well and the hospitality industry. But also, what are the the large financial institutions saying, Jules, in terms of the economy for London?
1: well i mean it, it's too soon i think for people to to really know the long long term effects and and it could all pivot really quite quickly if say there was a, a vaccine um, and uh, or or a complete collapse in the kind of the transfer and the and the r rate um, and that really i think is going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on 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 certain businesses to to return uh, return things to, to to the way they they were uh, i mean certainly um you know that that it's, it's too soon to say the impact on cities growth uh, and the housing need uh, and supply I mean we were going to see a quite a downturn anyway on, on, um, on what was pre- the pre- predicted growth I mean yeah. we were on the London London plan we were looking at a growth of 66,000 um, homes a year needed that was probably about 48,000 needed for the annual growth and the balance for uh, the backlog um the latest ons figures you know this is pre-covid obviously this is like 2018 based on 2018 data but the latest ons figures look like household growth could could be as little low as sort of about 24 25 000. Right. so that's a lot less than you know the last three four five years of predictions um and so you know it, it means that we could eat into the backlog housing backlog faster if we still keep motoring. So it's, it's not a, it's not a reason to take our foot off the pedal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of be mindful of those figures, I think, as we head into a head into, the, and, 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 it, and it's not going to be about, I say, what oh, a collapse because of COVID actually, we, we, we really needed to reassess some of this stuff even, even before that. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, um, as I say, it's, it's crucial that we do keep house building going. We've got a huge backlog uh, to tackle, a lot of people living in um, unsuitable accommodation. Um, we've got, uh, under the Deputy Mayor for Housing, uh, the Mayor set up a housing delivery task force, um, and that's looking at ways with the house, indus- house building industry and um, registered providers um, as well, um, looking at how we can uh, sort of continue to deliver at a, at a fast pace and, and scale as soon as we're uh, possibly able to. Uh, I mean, there's obviously been a, a, a downturn there with obviously social distancing on sites. Interestingly, many commercial sites continue to some degree. The closure of sites seem to impact uh, housing sites far more. A lot of the house builders, kind of downed down tools in response to the requirements to for social distancing i don't know whether that's because just the nature of working within homes and you know once they need the fitting out it's just too hard it's been too hard to ensure that social distancing whereas on commercial projects more space big construction uh maybe they've just found that easier to, to to keep going but um yeah we're looking at the ways in which we can um help to um uh, to make sure that we can turn that situation around. Crucially, though, going forward, you know, and this is this applied with or without COVID, a big chunk of what of, of what needs to be built does need to be um, truly affordable. Um, just building out huge amounts of um, market, hoping that well, as long as a percentage of that is is affordable, will address the situation. Um, We need something like 60 to 70 percent of what's built out to be genuinely affordable, whether it's low cost social rent, some of it could or some of it could be intermediate housing. But uh, there's, there needs to be about five times as much grant going into social housing as currently goes into it to, to actually deliver the balance. There's no point in building all this housing, even if you could suddenly wave a magic wand, get everybody back on site, build at the highest possible levels we've been doing. Well, a lot of it will remain unsold because people just simply can't afford to buy it.
0: And and so you think, uh, from what I hear, you you think the regeneration initiatives across places like Ealing and and Greenwich and elsewhere will will sustain themselves, will continue at a steady pace?
1: Um, I I think they will because, um, you know, once they can, you know, get the practicalities of people back on site and getting that motoring, um, because there is the demand there. uh, A lot of of what's been permissioned under this mayor, uh, approaching a third of it will be affordable housing. Um, I think uh, uh, a lot of developers are finding that um, having that large percentage of affordable is actually quite helpful because the grant that comes with that enables them to actually get on and build that, first. it actually provides them with some, some certainty um uh to, to 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 proceed um i think we've thankfully gone away from the days where people want to just build out the commercial and the, the affordable at the the end of the project uh, if it can be afforded um so uh, so that's a positive and i'd like i'd like to think that those schemes are going to proceed and and we'll see a lot of the affordable built up up front and uh, and
0: what about office and retail uh developments i'm thinking about victoria station which is not far from where i am but also Houston hs2 is obviously a big development around Houston, isn't it how are, they, are, are these going to be impacted by not just by the pandemic but also perhaps by brexit as well
1: yeah i i mean these there are a number of places you know like victoria's good good example um waterloo as well um you know brilliant plans being brought forward um for for waterloo um, and obviously Euston as, uh, as well. I think a lot of these, um, these developments will uh, still go ahead, probably in line with what's in, envis- envisaged um, in the, the, the commercial part. I think wh- where we're really up against it though, um, uh, both as a city and, and nationally, are those kind of retail um, projects the ones that are dominated by retail, um, you know, the, the ongoing uncertainty about uh, Croydon um, and the Whitgift Centre, um, while um, uh, the, while Westfield can kind of rethink uh, about really what the offer should uh, be there. And that's, that's not just that place, just London or Westfield. Actually, it's all retail, mm-hmm. all around the world, people are having to, to rethink this. Um, I was really surprised going into the the into the COVID crisis to learn that actually the, the penetration of supermarkets um, and other kind of similar retail had only got about 10% online. Mm-hmm. And yet, a few months into into the, into this crisis now, you know, people have, you know, the, 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 that has shifted more in a couple of months than it shifted in 10 years and and so therefore that will inevitably have further impacts on 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 those kind of retail projects and and what people envisaged would be in them so there is inevitably going to be more rethink uh, on that as i say it, it's it's kind of a recurring theme it's not that that covid of covid actually created the problem but it's highlighted it and focused um people's minds on it whether it's what we've been talking about earlier about the use of public space, um, pollution, the nature of retail, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, these are all themes that yep. people have been actively exploring over the last couple of years. They're all kind of at the heart of the Mayor's Good Growth by Design um, agenda
0: mm-hmm.
1: that has informed, helped inform policies within the, London, the new Draft London plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that COVID hasn't created those problems, but it has certainly highlighted how crucial they are for us to kind of address them. Mm.
0: And, and that just leads to, leads to the issue about the new normal, whether, whether there's going to be a new normal or we'll just go back to what was. So there is the potential for rethinking open space and uh, how we travel around the city. And, uh, you know, it's accelerated the, reconfiguration of retail do you want to make any predictions in terms of what the new normal will look like Jules?
1: well predictions that's always a tricky thing i can I can certainly say hopes you know yeah. I'd, I'd like to think that those kind of struggling um, parades of shops those bits of really forgotten or dying retail or struggle let's say struggling retail
0: mm.
1: places that before Covid we were kind of engaging with um, we brought out a um, a high streets uh, uh, piece of work which was looking at 10 case studies about how 10 places in London were kind of very mindful about what the challenges that they were facing and how could they pivot, how could they do something differently to retain uh, their place as a kind of a centre of the community Um, and you know a row of shops that people just go in, hand over cash, come out with a, a bag of stuff and them all being pretty much like that that's that's moved on and there's got to be a different kind of offer uh and uh, and whether that's um some uh workspace and although people are saying oh workspace is dead now they're all used to working from home actually i think that's wrong and I, I, I think that's that's not going to be the case people um i think that don't want to segue too far from what i was saying but i think there are real um potential mental health issues um, uh, that we're storing up, about expecting people to turn a corner of their home into an office and work in isolation. And that's actually, if you were lucky enough to have a home big enough to be able to, to do that, and many people don't. So I don't think the office is dead, far from it. I think there will be a need for um, sort of community workspaces, uh, maker spaces, all sorts of sort of, all sorts of, uh, you know, a greater mix than we used to. Uh, cultural spaces, more restaurants—all that kind of mix can play out in in high streets, mm. big and small. And I think that's that's my hope. That you know, bit of bit of closure on the street space from cars, and you know, restaurants, perhaps cafes being able to spill out more onto that, onto into those public spaces. Um, yeah, I think there's we could, we should really be working on a positive vision about mm. how we how we go back to living our lives about shopping and leisure time and actually work time as, as as well
0: well perhaps so perhaps more of a community hub and people staying a bit more local shopping a bit more local more independents getting online and interacting with their local customers within the community and things there's been some of that going on hasn't there
1: yeah, and it's something that the London Plan as well, the mayors, you know, um, intend to publish. London Plan is 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 has always been strong on. It's about regarding London and and pushing for London to be a polycentric city, yeah. uh, not a um, you know the, the central activity zone um, is absolutely crucial to London's position as a as a as a global world yeah. city. Um, and we're supportive in the plan of maintaining the central activity zone, maintaining the ring around it um, uh, to the, of, of supportive industries. You know, whether it's um, you know artisanal gin for the Barbican or last-minute printers for the uh, legal profession in Clerkenwell. You know, so that that supportive um, ring. Um, of of light industrial space helping uh, uh, the CAS. Um, But we've very much not then thought of then what surrounds that as just kind of residential dormitory and people just pile into the centre for work. That would be mad. Not least, as I've always said, we'd have to plan for cross rails 3, 4 and 5 to keep up that kind of movement into the centre so no what we really want to push for is a polycentric city but beyond um, the, the CAS and its support system its ecosystem Um, that we need to nurture we need to nurture that those kind of centers around that that would mean that people don't have to go into the center they need to be well connected we need good transport links for people to use when they need to get about but we shouldn't be planning on building as i say this dorm this residential dormitory and transport based on just everybody having to get in at 9am in the morning and leave at 5 at the end of the day and all go back out back out to their residential areas Got to be more creative than
0: that. Yeah, and I think we're gonna be. That's the positive, isn't it? Let let's finish by talking about uh, just briefly about the highs and lows of the pandemic for you. What have you enjoyed? What have you not enjoyed? What are you gonna do differently in future because of it? Wow. Um
1: I I think the biggest impact um for me has actually been my children. Um, you know, I've got two primary school age children. Um and I, I I I worry about the the amount of time that they're they're away from school and we're about then to go into a into a summer break and so they've lost they'll have ended up losing about half a half a year. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure they can they can make that back. But I suppose it's just kind of the waste of the time. Actually, oh. I think is oh. uh, you know too much TV, too much online gaming with their friends, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, it would be nice to be able to get a bit more structure back in, into their lives. Mm. Um, my partner and I, we, we, like so many people, it's a real challenge to kind of be able to fit work in and provide that, that structure. I think there are parents up and down the country who have got a, 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 new, uh, a renewed amount of respect for primary school teachers and, uh, and, and what they do. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's my biggest thing. Um, I miss... Uh, the face to face with people. Um, I think the, um, you know, this has been great. I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you, but I think the, 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 the zoom meeting culture is, is quite, uh, tiring, uh, both in the nature of them being back to back. You know, you don't get that breakup moving from, even if it's just to another office for a different meeting in the same building. Um, certainly no travel between meetings. Uh, you know that's kind of you know comfort break, getting the cup of tea between things thats gets more tricky. and also the uh, the, the, the the lack of other stimulus in meetings you're you're really relying on what you hear. Uh, although you do see people, it's mainly talking heads, so there's less of that um, uh, those visual clues in a in, in a group meeting. So I think that they I think people are finding them a harder work, tougher going. Um, than those those face-to-face uh, uh those really face-to-face meetings yeah. so um so yeah it'll be good eventually to get back to uh, to some of that uh, that human contact
0: thank you uh, well thanks for all the work that you're doing and thanks for joining us in the downtown den really appreciate it jules thank you uh, it's a pleasure thanks very much thanks